Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you, and uh, thanks for coming out on this blustery cold day. It's good to be together, everybody at Montrose. Uh, thanks for joining us at well, as well, and everybody who decided it was too cold and stayed home is watching on a live stream, you're weak. And I just want you to know that, but we love you, and uh, thanks for joining us together as well. Hey, um, I just wanted to double-click on uh, that announcement that Todd was making about Discovery Group. And uh, if you have not done Discovery yet, or let me just say it this way, even if you just feel disconnected, like if you're like, I went to Discovery 13 years ago, um, if you're feeling disconnected, if you're newer to Grace, if you ask me, like, what's the one thing I want you to do? Do I want you to volunteer all over the place? Do I want you to give a bunch of money? Do I want you to go to Africa as a missionary kind of thing? I would say to you, the first thing I'd want you to do is go to Discovery. And I want you to connect. I want you to connect with each other. I want you to connect into different life uh, groups and connections throughout the, the church family. And grace becomes a completely different place once you're connected to people around you. So we want you to find your people and we want you to find those friendships. And for you and your kids, if you have them, and, uh, and make those deep connections, get connected to some of the other staff and pastors and things like that. And then grace starts to feel home. It starts to feel small and it starts to feel inviting. So if you can make that step, that's a, that's a really, really important step. And it's the, the thing I would want you to prioritize the most is, uh, is getting into those relationships and, and doing that. So if you haven't done it yet, try to do it. Give it a shot. If you, it starts today, if you can't make this round, then put it on the calendar for next. Um, but it's a super duper important thing that we want you to be a part of. Okay. So try to, try to make that happen. All right. We're in a, a series right now called Assume I Know Nothing. And we're talking about a beginner's guide uh, to understanding the story of God. And uh, what we've been doing in this series is we just kind of asked the question, if we, if we knew nothing about Jesus, nothing about um, his father, God, if we knew nothing about the Bible or the church, and if we took those kind of conversations and took them all the way down to their very, very elemental um, phase, like the very, very first thing, the most basic thing, uh, where would we start? And if we laid those things out, kind of in a chronological or linear fashion. If we said this was step one, step two, step three, et cetera, uh, how would we introduce those things if we just assumed that we knew nothing? And so we've been doing that from the, from the beginning of the year. And the reason we're doing this is, is uh, for a couple of things. One, uh, there's a bunch of us here that are uh, in and around grace that would be investigating our faith or be very new to your faith. So if, if sometimes you're like, I'm new to this Jesus thing, and I don't always know what's going on. I just want you to know that you are so normal here. That, that's a, a normal part. We've had over a thousand people become Christ followers in the last four years. So, so you're, there's a bunch of folks that are just like that. You're not the weirdo. Uh, you're just getting rolling, and it, it like takes a minute, and you're picking this up as you go. So this series is designed in part to help you do that. 
for others of us who've been around uh, following Jesus uh, longer, it kind of brings a lot of clarity, and it kind of cuts through all the, the noise and the conversations, gets down to the basic things. And then for a bunch of us, everybody who's a follower of Jesus, the Bible says we should be helping other people become followers of Jesus and showing them how to follow Jesus. We call that discipleship. It's kind of the church word for it. And so if you're not doing that, I encourage you, you need to be doing that. And this can serve as like a set of tools for you to do that. It'll kind of help you uh, know what those conversations are and take people from there. So that's where we've been. We created a series of resources for you. So there's a book that was just published called Assume I Know Nothing. Uh, there's a podcast that's out where I'm reading the book and you can listen to it through a podcast. So if you love this deep baritone voice. By the way, the 9 a.m. service gets the best voice I got. It just goes up as the day goes longer. So uh, this is it. It sounds like this, but on the podcast. Um, but you can listen to that. If you've got a commute or something to that, you kind of listen to the book. And then we did a series like this a bunch of years ago. That's there too. So we just tried to create like this, this ecosystem of resources that you can dive as deep as you want. You can get as many tools as you want. We're just trying to give everything that we have uh, to put it out there so we can get our, our head around this stuff, okay? So we've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks, and we said, uh, the, the first week we said, if there's a, a very, very foundational piece and it's very basic root, we have to decide, and when you think about a relationship with Jesus, you have to decide if you believe what Jesus says about himself or not. And we said you have to decide if Jesus is a good guy or if he's a great God. Because Jesus does not claim to be a good guy. He does not claim to be just a prophet. He doesn't claim to be a moral leader. Uh, he doesn't claim to be a, a, a force for good. That's not who he is. He said, actually, I'm a great God. And the Messiah, I'm the, I'm the promised Messiah, I'm the Savior, I'm the King of kings, I'm the Lord of lords. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, like we're the same. And, and I, I am a great God. I am the only path to salvation. I am the foundation of truth. That is who I am. And so as we begin a relationship or we begin that journey, I'm faced with kind of that out the gate of who am I listening to, how do I listen to Jesus, and do I accept what he says about himself or not? And then last weekend, we said that that's, that kind of leads to the, the question of why Jesus? Why do we need a Messiah? Why do we need a Savior? What is the tension between humanity and God? And we looked at that, and the, the basic tension between humanity and God is that God wants us to be dependent on him and follow him, and we have within us this desire to be independent. God offers a path to life, and he says, I want to give you this life. It's an abundant life. It's a good life. It's a rich life. It's not the health, the wealth, the prosperity nonsense. It's the real stuff, the real meaningful things. I will give you this life, but this is the path to it. But you also have a free choice. If you don't want to follow that path, you can go your own way or a way of independence. And the Bible uses this phrase. It says, there's a way that seems right unto a person. And that's the path of independence. And God says, you can take it, 
I, I need to let you know that in the end, it leads to spiritual death. Like you go that way, you're going to experience evil and you're going to experience the absence of good in your life. If you go this way, you're going to experience me, you're going to experience my presence through all of your life. And so the basic tension is that God wants us to be dependent on him and following him. And we tend to want to be independent and go down a path that seems right unto us, right? So that's kind of where we're at. And those conversations, they're online, they're on the app the normal podcast, all that kind of stuff, and you can catch up with them. And I would encourage you to, if you kind of want to put this together as one train of thought, uh, then just start at those beginning pieces and it'll, it'll kind of uh, swing around for you. So this weekend, uh, kind of the next step, if step one is deciding if I believe what Jesus says about himself, is step two is understanding the tension and that I have a choice to go for a path of life or a path that seems right to me. The next thing I would put in is I would put in a conversation about faith and how, play, how faith plays out. So the Bible calls our willingness to trust God's heart and God's mind. The Bible would call that faith. And when you're looking at the scriptures, what, what will happen is this. You cannot get into the Bible more than a, a chapter or two without the, the thread of faith starting to show up. And from the very beginning of the Bible, the, the book of Genesis and the older part of the Bible, the Old Testament, all the way through the very end to the new part of the Bible called the New Testament, the book of Revelation, you'll see this idea of faith and you'll see it again and again and again. And what you'll see is that God rewards those, or the Bible uses this term, he counts it or credits credits it toward righteousness when people operate or follow him by faith. And then later on the Bible says that actually it's impossible to please God without faith. And you'll find this concept of faith again, again, and again. So I'm looking at what do I think about Jesus and I'm looking at what I'm going to choose and that choice is always going to wind up being a choice that is built off of faith, all right? So you just see this everywhere. Faith is tied directly to our salvation. So an example of this is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. So it's by grace you've been saved. Grace is God's unmerited favor, or my favorite definition is Pastor Ezra's. God loves you just because. So God loves you because he chose to love you. It's by grace that you've been saved. This is through faith. And so it's, it's at the bottom line of everything. It's through faith, and this is not from yourself. It's the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. So I don't earn my way to heaven. I don't perform my way to heaven. I don't earn my way into a right relationship with God. That is given to me, but it has to be accepted through faith. Now what the Bible does is very helpful as it defines what faith is. So this is Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. My paraphrase of this verse and definition of faith is this. This is just Jeff's. Faith is choosing to believe what I cannot and will never fully understand. So I'm going to have confidence in something and I'm going to have hope in what I cannot or do not see and I'm going to put my confidence and my hope in that 
knowing that I'm choosing to do that and knowing that I cannot and I will never fully understand the thing or the one that I put my confidence and my hope in. So for us to interact with Jesus, for us to interact with the Bible or the church or each other, it's always going to boil down to a decision about where I put my faith, right? Because faith is that decision that I'm locking into. So let's, let's talk about this for a second. Faith, let's talk about what faith is and isn't. Because we use the word faith in our, our culture all the time. And it's not that we use it incorrectly or correctly. It's just that we don't always mean the same thing that the Bible means, okay? So let's talk about what faith isn't. Faith is not a belief system. So faith is not a belief system. So we'll say that sometimes. We'll say, I'm going to share my faith. Or you might say, look at someone and say, they're of the Jewish faith or the, the Mormon faith or the Christian faith. It's not a belief system. Uh, faith is not about whether um, I am a, a Catholic or a Presbyterian or a Methodist or an evangelical or whatever. It's not a system of belief. We'll use the word that way which is fine, but that's not what the Bible is talking about here, okay? Faith is also not the practice of a religion. So again, we'll use the word that way, which is fine. It's not like a sin. It's just, it's just different. But we'll say, I'm, I'm devout to my faith, or I practice my faith. And what we mean by that is we go to church, or we got baptized, or we take communion, or we did confession, or whatever. We, we, we honored the Jewish holidays, whatever, whatever your persuasion is. We'll say, like, I practice my faith. It's, it's different. It's, that's not what God is saying here. Faith is also not blind or simple. So sometimes when we hear the concept of like, you just have to have faith, or you just have to believe, or you just got to put your faith in something, we'll use that in the context of like, don't ask questions, don't wrestle with anything, just, you know, trust God, be blind, uh, kind of blindly trust God, and let, your, let it all be pretty simplistic, so I remember the church I grew up in, they had this little phrase, and they would say this all the time. They would say, God said it, I believe it, and that's good enough for me. And they would say that all the time. God said it, I believe it, and that's good enough for me. And I remember about the time I was a junior or senior in, in high school, and I kind of started thinking for myself. I remember thinking, God said it. I don't know if I believe it, and there's no way that any of that's good enough for me, right? Because that's not, that's not my wiring. I don't, I'm not going to believe you because you said it. I'm not going to believe you because somebody told me to believe you. I'm going to have to go investigate that. I'm going to have to dig at it. I'm going to have to be not like my fancy name's Dr. Bogue, right? Like I, I can't like just settle into like, oh, my mom said. That's not faith, and so when the Bible talks about this whole idea of placing our confidence, our hope in something, and I talk about this idea of choosing, I'm not saying be simplistic. I'm not saying being, be blind. I'm not saying don't question Jeff. I'm not saying don't question Jesus or don't question the Bible. So faith is, is something that what the Bible's talking about, something you would engage intellectually. You might engage it academically. And all the, it'll withstand all those things. If you want 
all of the archaeological evidences, if you want all the ways that the Bible talked about science before science knew what it was talking about, if you want all the credibilities about why the Bible is a trustworthy book, if you want all the historical records that Jesus is who he says he is, if you want to do the probability math on just the probability that the prophecies of the Bible would actually be fulfilled, if you want to do the cross-reference math and the probability that you can write something 6,000 years before something else and it matches up. All of that exists. The Bible is the most studied book in the history of humanity. There's volume after volume after volume after volume. It all exists. You should engage it. And even when you do that, you're going to wind up at a place of faith. It's an inescapable part of what it means to know Christ to follow Christ and to engage with him. So the Bible's not talking about like a construct. The Bible's not talking about a pattern of behavior, which is what religion is. The Bible isn't talking about turning your brain off and and doing what you're told. And the Bible isn't talking about like this blind submission to authority. How, How dare you question? That's not what the Bible's talking about at all. The Bible is talking about where we place our confidence and where we place our hope. And I'm kind of saying that that is a decision that I'm choosing to believe in what I cannot and will never fully understand, right? Now, ready? This is important. If faith isn't a belief system, it's not a religion, it's not a blind trust, and it's not just a blind yielding to authority, what is faith? Ready? The only way to get your head fully around faith is to understand that in the Bible, faith is rooted in relationship. Faith is rooted in relationship. It's not a system. It's not a set of memorized facts that I can argue with you about. And it's not a set of evidences. See, I proved you wrong. Faith in the scripture is always rooted in relationship. And that is incredibly important when it comes to you and I understanding faith and understanding how God wants us to interact by faith. Because faith is rooted in relationships, ready? And you cannot have a relationship without faith. Every relationship you have is built on a foundation of faith and faith is built in the foundation of relationship, okay? And what I'm doing is I'm taking that relationship, I'm weighing it and understanding it, and then I'm choosing to put my confidence and my hope in that relationship knowing that I cannot and will never fully understand that relationship, right? So uh, Heidi and I have been together for 32 years. Uh, We dated for two years, then we've been married for 30. I gave her two full years to get out of it, and she didn't. She made a mistake, and she said yes. And so we've been together for 32 years. Okay, ready? So 30 years ago, we stood together at an altar, and we took marriage vows, okay? I was 22, she was 21. The only thing that she knew for sure was that I was going to age like a fine wine. That's the only thing she knew for sure, right? Nothing else happened. Ready? Okay. You're gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to interact for a second. Ready? 32 years ago, when I'm 22 and she's 21, 30 years ago, was there any w- possible way for us to know the details of the next 30 years, yes or no? Was there any possible way for us to understand all the relational turns that were going to happen in our life, yes or no? 
No, she, had, she was not a mother, I was not a father. We had, we had no idea what kind of parents we were going to be. We had no idea, 30 years ago, we had no idea what it was going to be like to be the adult children of our own parents and we would have to care for them. We had no idea to know what death was, not, not in a meaningful way because nobody close to us had died that wasn't quote unquote supposed to die. We had no idea what it was like to build a career. We had no idea what it was like to own a home. We had no idea what it was like to, to own a home, build a career, have children, and do school. We had no idea what it was like to be out from under our parents' influence because we got married right out of college and our parents helped us through college. We had no idea. It would, it would be impossible for us to study marriage enough to say we have mastered this so we can enter a relationship with no faith. It would be impossible for us to even know each other. We didn't know each other that well. You guys dated for two years. Yeah, but we didn't know each other that well. I mean, not like living together every day. Not like going through life every day. Not, not going through pain and joys and ups and downs every day. We didn't really know each other that well. So when we got married, ready? We built a relationship based on faith. And what I did when I asked Heidi to marry me and said yes to her, I put my confidence and my hope in her. Not in circumstances, not in, a, not in an institution of marriage, in her. And I knew her enough to love her and to know that I was loved by her. I did not know that all, I did not fully know and could not fully know who she was. I still don't know who she is. Because there's parts of our lives we haven't lived yet. I don't know what kind of grandmother Heidi's going to be. We don't have grandkids. My guess is she'll be crazy. Because she's like that in every other aspect of her life, right? <laughs> My guess is, but I've never seen it. I, there's things that I, we have yet to do. Neither one of us has had health problems. I've never seen her care for me when I can't care for myself. I just have put my confidence and hope that she will do that. I know I cannot know every detail. I know that I will not know every detail, but I have placed my hope in her, right? And she placed her hope in me. She's got regrets, Right? But she placed her hope in me. And what we did was we looked and said, this is a relationship. And this relationship is built on faith. And this relationship now is defining who we are and what we're like. And our confidence is here. And every relationship that you have and that I have is always built on faith. Every friendship that you have is built on faith. Where you would look and say, I'm putting my confidence and my hope in this person. You don't know everything about their life. You don't know every detail. But you've made a decision that you're going to engage in something that you cannot and will not fully understand. And based on your faith and the depth of that faith is how you interpret that relationship. And the things that happen within that relationship. I had a bunch of friends over um, 
couple months ago, and uh, the, I just had gotten uh, a, a copy of the of the, Assume I Know Nothing, the book f- from the publisher, and so I took it home because I wanted to show Heidi something in it, <laughs> and so it was just kind of sitting on the counter of our house, and then all the, all of these guys came over, friends, and we're laughing and goofing off talking about stuff, and my buddy picked up the book, and he looked at the title, and he said, Assume I Know Nothing, and he held it up, and he goes, Jeff, is this your autobiography? Right? I thought it was pretty funny. Right? Now, why did I receive that as a joke? Why didn't that fire insecurity in me? Why didn't that fire defensiveness? You ever written a book? You can't even spell. Like, and he can't. He's not that bright. But like, <laughs> right? Why, why would I receive that and think it was funny? I would receive it and think it's funny because I have faith in the relationship with my friend. I put confidence and hope in it, and I, and I understand how he is re- interacting with me. He's just teasing me, right? And I, I accept that actually as loving. I accepted an insult as an act of love because of my faith. So when you look at the Bible... And you're trying to understand what God says in the scriptures. You're trying to understand who Jesus is. How we place our faith and confidence and hope in him is one of those things then that filters everything. It filters what I receive from God. It filters how I interact with God. It filters how I perceive God. And that's why it's woven from the beginning to the end. And that's why God says, guys, it's, it's impossible it's impossible to, to serve me without faith because if, if you receive everything incorrectly, if, if you're waffling, I don't know, maybe he's a good, good guy, maybe he's a great God, I'm not sure. If there's not a confidence and a hope in who Christ is, then there's no foundation to interpret the relationship that we have with him. So what a Christ follower does What a Christ follower does is we make a decision by faith to trust the heart and the mind of God. And we choose to place our faith in him knowing that I cannot and will never fully understand everything that he says and every plan that he has for my life. As Jesus leads me and God guides me, then I'm I'm going to have to choose to trust that. I don't know why these circumstances are happening in my life, but my confidence and hope in the one who is allowing them or not stopping them is firm. I don't know why I'm going that direction. I don't know why we have this particular tension in our friendship. I don't know why this is my roommate this semester. I don't know why I got hurt and I can't play my senior year. I don't know why those things happen. I will never understand that. And I, it's not that I don't think about it. It's not that I don't process it. It's not blind. It's not dumb. It's not for simpletons. But if I'm honest, I will wind up back at a place where I have to choose, do I have confidence in this relationship and have I placed my hope in it? When my hope is lost, when I've leaned into my own understanding, I'm at the end of my own understanding. I place my hope in this relationship and then am I going to receive what God has to tell me and teach me built off of this place of faith, okay? 
Now what happens then is this. The Bible says something really interesting. Jesus says this. He says this. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. Isn't that fascinating? He says, nobody can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. So this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, guys, I want you to remember that you have a loving God who wants to bless you and has given you a free will, but wants to be in a relationship with you. That's what we talked about last week, and that's the whole purpose of the, of the two trees in the garden and everything else. And I want you to know that when you are thinking about God and you're considering God and you're wrestling with the things of God, you are not just randomly doing that. You're created in God's image. So only human beings have a spiritual side. Only human beings have a soul. Only human beings can wrestle with or think about the things of God. Squirrels and cats and dogs don't do that stuff. Only human beings do. So what Jesus is saying is when those questions and those, those moments are at a crescendo in your life, that doesn't happen randomly. That's not just you saying, well, it's the new year, it's time to get my act together. That's not you saying, well, you know, the kids, we got kids now, we probably better get back in the it's not just that. What is happening, is something spiritual is happening, is that the Father is drawing you to consider the Son. And the reason that you would think about spiritual things and the reason that you would wrestle with who Jesus is and the reason that you would kind of work through uh, the parts of the Bible that are mysterious and hard to understand and the reason that you would, you would hang on to faith even though sometimes it's difficult is because the Father has drawn you to this. So this is what this means, ready? It means that every single person who is a follower of Jesus Christ, has been drawn to Jesus Christ by the Father. And it means that every single person who is considering the claims of Christ is considering that ultimately because God has, you've been drawn to that consideration by the Father. And what that means is this, that every single person who is a follower of Jesus Christ was drawn. And when you're drawn, you come to a crisis of faith. And every single person who is considering being a follower of Jesus Christ is being drawn and you're going to come to a crisis of faith because it's an elemental thing. You're going to look and God's going to look at your life and use the circumstances of your life. He's going to use your personality. He's going to use the way that you're wired and it's going to draw you to him. Some of you are going to be drawn to him through circumstances. Life got really difficult really quick and I feel empty and I'm searching for something. Why is it that you're searching for something spiritual instead of something that's distracting? Why would you investigate God instead of drugs and alcohol? Why would you come to church instead of go through the, the Marvel movie universe in chronological order again? When Jesus is saying, well, because God is beckoning you. He loves you. He's drawing you. And the circumstances of your life have brought you to a crisis of faith. Others of us, God does that through our personality. How come when I listen to music, I just want to know if the guy gets his dog back, his truck back, his girl back? And when you listen to music, it's almost a spiritual experience for you. 
and it actually causes you to think about the things of God. Why, why, why are you like that? Because God is drawing you, so he's interacting with you in a unique and powerful way. How come some people, when they look and they have all the wealth in the world, they say, look how great I am and look what a success I am. And other people have all the wealth in the world and they say, I can't believe how good God is to me. Well, that's how God is speaking to you. And it's not weird it's not weird, it's not freaky, it's not an angel showing up in your bedroom and speaking to you. Behold the Lord. Like, if that happens, call me. and Get on video. Like, I really want to see this. I got questions, right? But it's a curiosity. It's a tug on your heart that has caused you to take a step toward understanding the heart and mind of God in a different and deeper way. And Jesus says, that's the Father beckoning you or drawing you toward me. And what I'm saying to you is that happens to everybody who is a Christ follower, that has happened. To everybody who's thinking about being a Christ follower, that is happening right now. And everybody, when that happens, winds up at the same point, and it is at a crisis of faith. And you can move all around that all you want. You, you, can, you can read every book in the library about all the evidences of God. Listen to every podcast ever created. You can look at family. You can, you can be on your own. You can look at nature, the Bible says, that reflects the glory of God. You can do whatever you want to do and ask all those questions. But you are going to wind back up at faith. There is no way to escape that I'm going to come to a point in my life where I have to decide because God gives me a free will. Where I have to decide, am I going to put my confidence and my hope in the great God, Jesus Christ? Am I going to deal with the tension between humanity and God? My independence, which leads me ultimately to sin, Am I going to deal with that tension somehow on my own in a way that seems right to me? Or am I going to put my confidence and my hope in the person of Jesus Christ? And when I come to that point of faith, that crisis of faith, and I'm looking and I'm saying, do, do I believe what Jesus says about himself? Do I want the path of life or do I just want the way? I'm, I'm you, you, always, always, always wind back up at faith. And that's why the Bible talks about it and locks it in. It says it's actually, it's impossible to know God. It's impossible to have your sins forgiven. It's impossible to please God. Like it, it's, you always have this element, this foundational thing that is tied to me choosing to put my confidence and my hope, me choosing to believe something I cannot and I will not fully understand. I cannot fully understand Heidi. I will not fully understand Heidi, but I put my confidence and my hope in that relationship. And I cannot fully understand God. I will not fully understand God, but I'm putting my confidence and my hope in who he is. I will never fully understand the Bible. When I get to heaven, I got some questions. I will never fully understand the circumstances of life. 
when I get to heaven, I got some questions. I got some questions about the pain in my life, and I got the questions about the abundance in my life. I got some questions about like <clears throat> the, the difficult things that people go through, and I got some questions about like why did they get blessed, and I... And all of that, every time, all of my searching, all of my prayers, all of my questions, I'm going to wind back up at this decision. Do I put my confidence and hope, who, in whom, do I put my confidence and my hope? And really, it's Jesus or me, which is the tension that you find at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, right? It's always going to be faith, right? I think what I want to do this weekend is I, I think I want to give you a minute to chew on this because this question shows up in a couple of ways. For some of us who are searching, this question shows up and, and what do I do with the person of Jesus Christ? Do I accept him as the God and the Lord and the Savior that he says he is, or do I reject it? And it's fascinating how God, when he brings you that crisis of faith, how he works in there. So what I've noticed over time, just my experience, I noticed that God's timing is unique for every individual. Uh, one time I was talking to a lady, got on an airplane, and we were maybe three hours on the flight. By the end of the flight, she had decided to place her confidence and her hope in the person of Jesus Christ. And God just had her there at that moment. Christ is faith. He was drawing her, beckoned her. She wound up there. She wound up sitting next to me. I wound up talking to her. And boom, she was right there. I watch other people, and they'll wrestle with this their whole lives. And it's not until they're in their most painful circumstances that they have to decide, am I, going, am I going to follow Jesus or reject him right now? Because life doesn't get much worse than this. Some people are very analytical. I was talking to a guy one time, and uh, he was a very, very intelligent man, and he was dying. So his daughter uh, asked me to go talk to him. So I sat down with him. I was very blunt. And I said, uh, I said, Hey, I said, uh, why do you think I'm here? And he said, my daughter, my daughter, uh, he said, I'm dying and my daughter's worried I'm going to go to hell. I'm like, okay, well, that was easy. And, and I said, uh, I said, um, why do you think she called me in? She, he, and, and he said, because she thinks you know the path to heaven. I said, okay. I said, you want to talk about that? And he goes, he looked at me, he goes, make your case, preacher. And so I did, I did. And he, after I made Jesus's case, not Jeff's, he put his confidence, his hope in Christ, and he died two days later. It's fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me that a loving God is beckoning, and some of us feel that and respond right away, which is great. Some of us wrestle with that because we're, we're trying to get like our thoughts around it, which is fine. It's the way you're wired. Some of us get to the end of life and we're like, this is scarier than I thought it was going to be. And that same loving God, that loving God is not angry that that old man waited this whole time because he never gave up. 
and he wanted him to come home. So timing is always a fascinating thing for me. So what I think, and I'll give you a minute to think about this, for some of us, you've been in this conversation for a few weeks, you joined this conversation because you're looking for something, and God drew you to it. That's spiritually what happened. And maybe today is the day that those puzzle pieces fill in and you need to place your confidence and your hope in Christ. And I'm gonna help you try to think that through here in a minute. We're gonna kind of like think about it for a second. The other way this plays out is those of us who say that we're followers, your faith is something that you exercise. It's not something that you just possess. So I believe, I think Heidi would confirm that I'm a much better husband than I was 30 years ago. Because I want to be. Because I love that girl. Love her to pieces. And I, I want to respond to her. I want her to have her dreams. I want her to be safe. I want her to be happy. See? And guys, for some of us in your relationship with Jesus, you've turned faith into a system or a religion or a set of evidences, and that makes for a very, very dry and dead relationship. And in order to have affection, in order to have excitement, in order to have passion, you're going to have to exercise faith. Somebody asked me a couple weeks ago, they said, I'm kind of at this like spiritual dry spot. I'm like, okay. They're like, what should I do? I said, think of the most scary thing God's ever asked you to do and go do that. And your prayer life will kick up real fast. Your dependency on God will kick up real fast. And they talked to me later. And they're like, this is the scariest thing God's ever asked me to do. I was like, whoa, <laughs> glad he asked you. <laughs> like, That's what you need to do. Quit managing your relationship with God and start experiencing it. Well, how do you do that? Well, by faith. When God asked Abraham to leave everything, when God looked at David and said, go, go fight that giant, when God told Joseph, just honor me, you'll get out of prison one of these days, when Daniel just went and prayed, wound up in a lion's den, you don't get a lion's den story if you never exercise faith. And you know Daniel was telling that story to the end. And that's, that's why you're, that's why it's, it's become a system. It's become a religion. And it's, it's nothing more than a routine, dull, unexciting, guess it's the next day, marriage. So for some of us, God has brought us to a crisis of faith that's tied to our salvation and for others of us God has brought us to a crisis of faith that's about our depth and our passion with Jesus and, and th see how it always winds up back here it always winds up back at faith and so engaging that and understanding that and walking by faith see, is a key to all of it when it comes to knowing and loving and following Jesus. So let's do this. I'm gonna ask the band to come out. They'll, they'll create a little space for us. And 
I just, I kind of want us to like kind of think through something together. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute. And I just kind of want us to think about faith, okay? And God calling us to put our faith in him and then God calling us to a deeper faith. So take a deep breath, say hi to God and just connect with him for a second. And Jesus, we just kind of invite you, so to say, into this, our personal space. And God, I pray for every individual who is under kind of my voice right now that we would just personally interact with you. If we're watching online, we just kind of stop what we're doing and take a breath. And God, here in Montrose, just kind of be with us individually. Guys, here's the, the first group I want to talk to you. If you have been thinking about God and thinking about Jesus and wondering if you should put your hope and confidence in him and, and God's timing is right now where the, the pieces have come together, you understand what you didn't understand before and it's, it's enough. And the hope that you need and the confidence that you want, you would look and say, I'm going to find that in the person of Jesus Christ. I do believe what he says about himself. I understand the tension and I want the path of life. Then what I would encourage you to do right now is I would encourage you to place your faith in Jesus Christ and that begins by asking for forgiveness. I'm just believing what Jesus says about himself and then what he says about me and he tells me that I need a savior, that I need forgiven. So from your heart to God's heart, your words, ask Jesus to forgive you. Confess or proclaim or say in your heart that I, I believe that you're God and that you rose again from the dead. And I want to put my life under your definition and direction. You are a great God, and I want to follow the path of life. Would you forgive me, save me, change me? And just in your own words, in your own heart, have that conversation with the God who loves you and has been drawing you to himself. For those of us who are confident in our salvation and confident that we put our hope in Christ, guys, faith is not a stagnant thing. It's not, it's not a belief system. It's not something you receive and then you just kind of sit on. It's something you grow deeper and deeper in. And some of us, our faith is stunted because we're not, we're not exercising it. For some of us, there's sin that we're afraid to confess. For some of us, there's obedience that we're afraid to act on. 
For some of us, there's relationships we're afraid to pursue. For some of us, there's risks that we're afraid to take. For some of us, there's life direction that we're afraid to shift over to. And what I dare you to do (laughs) is ask God to bring to the forefront of your mind where he wants you to step out on faith. And I'm telling you that that's the place that will make your relationship with Jesus come alive. That's the place that obedience is easy and trust is risky and prayer and a hunger for God's word and a love for people is actually found. And for you, you need to place your hope and your confidence in Christ in that way. So Jesus, in these moments, meet us, change us, help us.